Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. In 1986, the Williams Formula One team should have taken the world championship. Despite team owner Frank Williams spending the year in the hospital after a near-fatal crash, the team's race car was dominant, and drivers Nelson Piquet and Nigel Mansell were two of the best competitors in the world. It should have been an easy victory for a Williams driver, but instead, in the final race of the season, McLaren's Alan Prost snagged the title. What the heck happened? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but I assume we're going to find out. So you're the one reading. Tell us. <clears throat> In the power vacuum left by Frank's absence, Brazilian driver Nelson Piquet grew paranoid. He decided his $3.3 million contract with the team made him Williams' number one driver. But without Frank there to enforce any team orders, Piquet took matters into his own hands. Any success Mansell had became an affront to Piquet's contract. Instead of battling the rest of the grid, P.K. did what he could to tear his teammate down, and he wasn't afraid to insult Mansell's wife to the press for even the smallest psychological advantage. What? How's he so brave? In the end, Mansell was only one of P.K.'s many enemies in his ongoing battle against the world. But how did the son of a Brazilian doctor become one of the most controversial names in Formula One history? What was it that catapulted the young Nelson Piquet into the international spotlight so soon after his first ever go-kart race? Was the bias against him legitimate, or was it the product of a nationalistic media playing favorites? Today on Pass Gas, we're delving into all things Nelson Piquet. Pass Gas! 
PK. Welcome to Past Gas. Hello. Past Gas PG. What's up, guys? Oh. Nelson PG. Nelson PG. Actually, we're gonna see later that we're probably not. We don't we don't want to change our name to PK. No. This guy. I heard he's a nightmare. Unsavory. Unsavory Unsavory individual. One history. Opposite of a hot dog. Unsavory. (laughs) 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 Yeah. But currently, uh, just to just to tie it back into modern times, yeah. his daughter, uh-huh. Kelly PK, Kelly PK, Max Verstappen, dating Max Verstappen. Wow, current champ, yeah. trying to make the fastest baby in the world. Yeah. <laughs> oh wow. Yeah, yeah, that baby's gonna be well. Yeah, the fastest, yeah. shittiest baby in the world. <laughs> Max isn't that shitty. I think Max is kind of probably cooler in person than he lets on. I think he's a pretty funny guy. Yeah, he's super funny. But he's just a very competitive dude as well. And when yeah. all the interviews are at the track. When you go to a restaurant and your friend is mean to the waiter, then he's nice to you later. That's still a mean person. No, that's I, not the same. He's at work. It's not the same. Yeah. He's at work. And also, we don't know how he treats waiters. If he is shitty to waiters, then yeah, I'd agree yeah, with you. I bet yeah. he's really nice to waiters. No, you think he's really nice? I think he's never made eye contact with a waiter. Oh, I don't think so. I don't think that's out of principle, though. I think that's just because he maybe is an awkward guy. My name is Nolan Sykes. Welcome to Pass Gas, everybody. Uh, joined with, joining me as always, across me, looking at God knows what on me? that laptop. You know what I am looking at? I want to know. Friendship bracelet. <laughs> Friendship bracelet bands for Fitbits. Okay. Great. That's James Pumphrey, big Fitbit guy. I Fitbit, want, if you're oh, out there, sponsor the show. Oh, yes, yeah, Fitbit, please. sponsor the show. Yeah. Apple watches are for kooks. <laughs> when Nelson P.K. Sotomayor was born in Rio de Janeiro, Sotomayor <laughs> was born in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil, on August 17, 1952. He almost immediately started butting heads with the people around him. He just <laughs> hopped out and hit the doctor right in the head. <laughs> P.K.'s father, Astacio. Uh, it's probably pronounced much differently in Portuguese because Portuguese yeah. is crazy. It's no, it's d- don't. It's, it's, cr- it's different. It's than much ours. different. Everything's spelled like Spanish, but pronounced like German. Wow. Portuguese. It's you crazy. Portuguese sounds like German. Yeah. Portuguese. It's like if you heard a German person speaking Spanish is how I would describe hearing Portuguese. It's so much smoother than that though. German is. You know, that's like true. the Mars of... attacks aliens. Yeah, that's the first thing my head went to when you did that. Yeah, yeah. me too. But. <laughs> P.K.'s father, Astacio, became one of P.K.'s first rivals. Astacio was a physician, and eight years after Nelson's birth, he became the Minister for Health for the Brazilian government. Unsurprisingly, that meant that he also had high hopes for his family. And when Nelson showed an aptitude for tennis at the tender age of 11, Astacio decided his son was going to be a star. Well, it sounds like Yos were stopping a little bit. But tennis wasn't exactly the pinnacle of excitement in young Nelson's eyes, or many people, including me. He wanted to do, I'm sure in person, it's very fun to watch. Dude, tennis is cool. Dude, I follow the U.S. Open. Tennis is big right now, dude. I know, it's hot. This is big right now. The U.S. Open was really fun to watch. I will say that. I watched some on the plane, Mm -hmm. and I got into it. Great. He wanted to do something. I went with DiCaprio. Oh, Me and DiCaprio went to the Open together, yeah. And then I met with uh, Chalamet about a project. Nice. His bathroom. <laughs> yeah, I'm renovating his bathroom. So. 
Uh, Nelson wanted to do something more exciting and more daring, maybe even something his family didn't approve of. One of his older brothers was injured in a motorcycle accident. So when PK began asking his family for a car, the answer was a stern no. Oh, that's so like an older brother to ruin it for yeah. everyone else. Yeah. Then, after Nelson's constant pleading, Astacio changed his mind. If Nelson could beat him in a tennis match, then perhaps he would consider allowing his son to have a vehicle. Nelson dedicated himself to training and won both of the matches his father had challenged him to. That's a good lesson, honestly. Nice. Beat your dad. <laughs> Rather than fully concede defeat, however, Astacio shipped Nelson off to the United States. Actually, not. To study in Atlanta on a tennis scholarship as a preteen. When Nelson returned, he was winning tournaments in Brazil that set him up to compete against some of the greatest athletes in competition in California, all before he was old enough to legally drive in his home wow. country. Wow. Little Whacker. Wow. That's what they call him. Little Whacker. <laughs> Little Whacker. That's what they called me, too. Because <laughs> you had chronic masturbation. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I had to tape my arms behind my back. <laughs> oh, my God. So how is this helping they me? They zip-tied <laughs> oven mitts to your what hands. <laughs> That wouldn't do anything. That wouldn't no. you? Nah. Just softer. <laughs> that is an apparatus. Then you don't need a sock. They found yeah. that actually exacerbated the problem. Throw them away. Just throw them away. Don't put them back in the kitchen. There. Just because Nelson wasn't old enough to drive in Brazil didn't mean he hadn't started carting, though. PK's close friends were the children of other members of the Brazilian government, and that meant he'd had access to the go-karts of the older kids from a young age. He entered races as young as 14 under his mother's maiden name, PK, in the hope that no one in this family would pick up on his activities. Paired with the mechanical skills he learned from workshop classes in the United States, PK's return to Brazil saw him energized, refocused, and ready to transfer his competitive nature to motorsport full-time. Reflecting on that part of his childhood as an adult, PK said his time in America was actually a great mental benefit for him. In Brazil, it was easy for even a middle-class family to employ maids or other servants, Lucky. but quote, In America, if there was a job to do at home, I had to do it. I had to accept a lot of priorities that I did not have to in Brazil. I learned a lot of things and I gave value to a lot of things that didn't have any value for me before. Like, you have to take the grates off the stove and get all the <laughs> corn and stuff out of it. It's very hard. <laughs> the egg water that comes out for splashes over. You have to scrape. It's disgusting. <laughs> So one of those values that PK learned in America was the value of hard work. Yeah, that's what we're all about here. And he took a job at a tuning shop run by a former racer, Alex Ribeiro. It was staffed by a crew of teenagers who were also dreaming of racing on the world stage. So it was a good place to be as PK hit both the karting scene and the local Formula Super V series in 1976. Mm. Open wheel car powered by Volkswagen yeah. four-cylinder engine. I want to buy one of these. You could. They're I think it would be affordable. so fun to get into. It's like the budget open wheel series. Yeah. Still. And you can buy cars from like the 1970s and still be legal to race. Hell yeah. yeah. Uh, Jason's uh, Scirocco, the million dollar Scirocco that mm -hmm. Conifer painted. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Conifer designed our logo. It is powered by a Super V, Formula Super V um, oh. engine. Wow. Mm -hmm. Nelson PK had oh, Super V, not Formula V. Formula V is 
that's the one with the vol- like what's the super beetle. v then? super v higher up next level oh yeah. well i want a Hence super, the super v engine yeah super ryan turk uh races formula v really huh yeah wow ryan turk google him nelson pk had <laughs> talent and if his family wouldn't recognize that somebody else would emerson fittipaldi we talked about him before in the late 1970s, Fittipaldi was already a two-time Formula One world champion, and he had taken it upon himself to use his platform to bring other young Brazilian racers to the big stage. Piquet was obviously on Fittipaldi's radar. Beep, beep. Beep, beep. Nice. That was Nolan's mouth, guys. That <laughs> yeah. wasn't a soundboard. It's not that a was submarine. Nolan. Making that noise with his beatbox award winning mouth. <laughs> you award the, winning mouth. <laughs> you were the Vancouver BC beatbox mm-hmm. champion yeah. one year, right? Yeah, yeah I wore uh, one of those weird Fidel Castro hats. Uh huh. And just had a backpack full of beats. Yep. And your backpack. I studied them. I call my mouth my backpack. <laughs> <laughs> my mouth is a backpack because I keep my keys in it. <laughs> Beginning in 1974, 22-year-old PK spent three years competing in Formula Super V, proving he was willing to dig deep to beat his competitors. Thanks to a budget so tight he could barely afford spare engines or more than one set of slicks. Before long, he moved over... S- okay, Nolan. That's a little soundtrack. <laughs> I get state. it, yeah. but okay, we can't sorry, cut ahead. that out. Okay. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I, would so, hope, I hope you wouldn't cut it out, Gavin. Bit. It's a funny bit, but not really. It's annoying. <laughs> For me, the audience, and Gavin, our engineer. Sure. So if you like annoying thousands of people, I do on a weekly it. basis. Yeah. I read the comments. <laughs> Before, I'm the annoying one. Before long... He moved overseas to compete in Formula 3, organizing a sponsorship scheme where he was only paid for race wins. My scheme? I don't get paid for (laughs) any races. (laughs) Formula 3 bought PK his first racing rival, Chico Serra. Serra was a fellow successful Brazilian on the international open wheel stage, but Serra, not to be confused with fellow Brazilian Senna, Sarah's mother was, according to Eduardo Prado Jr., a uh, friend to everybody. Does that mean she's like a socialite or? A- yeah, I'd say. Mm. Uh, I don't she's know. got Riz. I feel like that's the guy's I feel like sliding a, his mother. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, like yeah. trying to say she's a lady of the yeah. night. Yeah. Yeah. Prado, who is advising PK on his career decisions, advised his driver not to directly compete against Sarah. Okay, so maybe she was like a socialite yeah like a because she's like a rich lady yeah i just feel like the way that he phrased it not to spend too much time on this yeah but it seems like he's like i don't know it sounds like hey don't like compete with this guy because like it'll make your career annoying uh yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like she's influential yeah, she yeah, might yeah, yeah, yeah. she might that's how i'm oh, okay and stunt yeah. your so the next career. Yeah. quote the brazilian journalist got all the information from sarah's mother prado said so the stories tended to be about sarah's sensational second place at mallory park mm. the only mention of nelson was his name in the first place on the results panel but that was why he decided to do f3 and he ended up winning anyway. His years in F3 were difficult. Piquet struggled to find funding, which meant he wasn't able to buy the fastest car on the market. Instead, he decided that he could compensate by testing as much as possible. 
Greg Pee Wee Siddle, <laughs> <laughs> who operated as PK's de facto team manager, got his driver a free workshop, and PK hit the track constantly, hoping that his knowledge of his car would triumph over the competitors' more advanced machines. That's not to be confused with Greg Pee Pee Piddle. <laughs> yeah. Pee Wee said that PK <laughs> was highly skilled at finding the perfect setup so that the car would go quick. Not just for one lap, but for the whole race. I envy people who just know how to set up a car. I think that's so sick. You know, mm -hmm. that's like next oh, level yeah. cool. Mm -hmm. uh, all the greats. You yeah. Know? Phil Hill. Phil Hill. Senna. Uh, Nikki Lauda. Yeah. I think it just shows an inherent understanding, understanding of the of physics of the car. Physics of the car. I couldn't <laughs> have said it better myself. Jinx. <laughs> Siddle pinned that on PK's <laughs> masterful tire management. This was a skill developed more out of necessity than anything else after nearly 600 test laps around Goodwood without even enough money for tires. Siddle said, with Nelson, he always had himself covered. I was confident that he would not screw up. I don't know where Siddle's from, so I'm using just like an accent. His testing program ironed out. PK went on to win seven races in a row between two different British F3 championships Dang. and 14 races total. His pay-by-win sponsorship scheme had worked out in his favor, netting him 4,000 pounds or the equivalent to about $30,000 today. He was able to use the money to pay for all that testing and to pay for his own way in motorsport. It's crazy to think of inflation now because, like, from... You know, the 70s to the 2000s, mm -hmm. it only went incrementally. Mm -hmm. And then from you look at like what $100 was in 2012, uh -huh. and it's like $270 yeah, today. Yeah. Like it's insane. And, and also inflation is like not even accurate anymore. Yeah. It's like, yeah, in back then 4,000 pounds is equivalent to 30,000 pounds today. But also on top of that, everything costs four times as much mm -hmm. money. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's just, you just got to kind of not think about it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, his win streak came to an end just before the 1978 British Grand Prix. In an F3 race prior to the main F1 Grand Prix, PK was one of 14 cars involved in a nasty crash at the start. PK did manage to take the restart with a backup car, and he did so. Wait, are you allowed to do that still? No have a backup car don't you have to run what you like the car you qualified in yeah you can have a backup and then if you wreck a car in a race you're allowed to go get a new car oh no no, no yeah no. No, anyway no. he did so to a fascinated crowd the formula one world was watching and it was ready to give pk a call everyone was fascinated because they were like Wait, are you that? allowed to do that? You're allowed to start with another yeah, you do that? That's crazy. You're allowed to totally destroy your car in qualifying or practice or whatever and have your backup car for the race, but yeah. Dude, I think that you should be allowed to have as many cars. <laughs> Line them up. Yeah. 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 And if you wreck one, yeah. you get to switch out. Smart or if pack. like you're like, yeah, at the pit stop, I want to switch the car. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Lance Stroll would have like sick. 25 cars. Yeah. Nice, Joe. Thanks, Daddy. Nice. God is ass. God is ass. Disney Channel original older brother of Formula One. <laughs> Did you see what Lawrence Stroll said about the Andretti 
possible F1 team? I didn't. What did he say? He, he said, what's he going to do? Think wear it's purple great. underpants? It's perfect with 10 teams. It doesn't need to be more than 10 mm-hmm. teams. It's great. <laughs> it's like very Trumpy. Well, and I mean, you know, the, the the teams have to split the prize. They get to sp- split the prize pool and the proceeds and stuff like that. So yeah. if you add another team to that, that's less money for them. So that's why they're all very not into the idea. It doesn't matter. Add two more cars. Like many drivers of the era, Nelson Piquet's F1 career got off to a rather inauspicious start. He sampled cars from poor teams in the remainder of the 1978 season before his effort paid off. At the behest of Bernie Ecclestone, uh, we've done an episode about him as well. Yeah. 26-year-old PK signed on full-time with the Brabham race team for 1978. I love saying Brabham. Yeah. It sounds like a car. Brabham, 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 Brabham. His big break came with one big drawback, though. His teammate. In Formula One, a driver's teammate is his most pressing frame of reference. And at Brabham, PK's teammate was one Nicky Lauda, who was at that point a two-time world champion. This could be a serious challenge for the hot-headed young Brazilian. Yeah, and Nicky Lauda liked to, you know, turn the screw a little bit. That's right. Lauda was known for his prickly personality, and a brash young Brazilian could easily have created one of the biggest blowouts in F1 history. But despite the two butting heads, that blowout never happened. Of all PK's teammates, Lauda was perhaps the one he was closest to. Wow. They were dark purple? Mm-hmm. I was, like, thinking this whole lavender. Time? I thought it was like no, lavender. Like a royal purple. Wow. I thought, yeah. They don't make them anymore. You got to get them on eBay, which really? I'm reluctant to do. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> of all PK's teammates, Lauda was perhaps the one he was closest to and the one who taught him the most, in large part because Lauda retired at the end of the 79 season. Oh. Quote This is from PK, Nelson PK, James. Nikki always treated me very good. PK said, <laughs> reflecting on the relationship in 1984. He left racing. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone eventually turns into Enzo Ferrari. <laughs> he left racing, then he came back, and we talk a lot about cars, airplanes, life, those sorts of things. You know, like cars, boats, airplanes, life. <laughs> He's a very straightforward person. He has nothing to hide. He never talks about you behind your back. He's got a very good character. Instead, it was the car that PK railed against. After his exuberant successes in F3, PK was knocked back down to earth in Formula One. In a season of 14 races, he only scored points one time, Ooh, thanks dang. to a fourth place finish at Zandvoort. While he did manage to finish three races, PK retired his car a whopping 11 times before the end of the year. That sucks he spent yeah. a lot on the uh the side talking to uh maybe us for stopping and saying maybe you know, maybe we'll make kids someday <laughs> maybe a little maybe day. day yeah that though was in large part due to problems late switch from alfa romeo engines to those made by ford cosworth the iconic Ford dfv v8 was fitted to the problem chassis for the final two races of 1979 and with lauda out of the picture in 1980 PK was welcomed to the championship battle at the front of the field. But he also had to contend with Bernie Ecclestone, who led the Brabham team at the time. Knowing PK's grasp of the English language wasn't great, <laughs> Ecclestone put together a contract uh, that any other driver would have balked at. 
Cool guy. Yeah, cool guy, Bernie. Very cool and <laughs> normal. Cool guy, Bernie. <laughs> this guy don't even this guy don't even speak English. Ah, sign it. <laughs> Reflecting on it later, PK said, quote After I signed it, he said, Don't you want to know how much I'm gonna pay you? I'll pay you fifty thousand dollars for the next three years and thirty percent of the prize money. That was fantastic. I was in Formula One. I didn't care about the money. All I ever wanted to be was in Formula One. And I signed a contract. And he probably got screwed out of his gourd. I mean, that's really bad. 50 grand for three years. Mm -hmm. And then 30% of the money. Woof. (laughs) Woof. With the refined Brabham BT-49 paired to a Ford Cosworth V8, Nelson Piquet had his first opportunity to compete for a world championship in 1980. And that also meant he entered into a formidable battle with title rival Alan Jones, who was behind the wheel of a Williams. This is when Williams is really good, right? 1980? I think that comes a little later with Nigel Mansell. Oh, right. That year, PK became team leader over a series of pay drivers, adding to the tension of a title fight that began at the season opening race in Argentina. PK ran off track several times, leaving Jones to take victory and set an early championship lead. A retirement in fourth place followed, but PK managed to break through by race number four at Long Beach, right down the road from us, where he took a win. Don't dox us, dude. It's within like 80 miles. (laughs) (laughs) As the final two races rolled around, Jones and PK had scored three wins each and headed to the Canadian Grand Prix. PK led Jones by one point in the championship. Canada, I don't want to dox us, but Canada's to the north of us. Mm -hmm. Ah, Damn it. (laughs) But when the green flag (laughs) flew in Montreal, disaster struck. Jones was leading the field into the first turn, but Piquet pushed his way forward in an attempt to make a pass. The championship leaders collided, collecting half a dozen cars along the way, red flagging the race. Piquet's move came back to bite him. His Brabham was ruined in the wreck, and he was forced to take the restart in a spare car that wasn't set up for the race. See, again, like you're allowed to just wreck a car in the race and then restart with a car. I think maybe rules were different back then because they couldn't hot swap parts as easily. Uh-huh. So maybe they were just like, let's just have another one. Yeah. I, again, I wish they could just have a bunch of cars. I know. So sick. Well, I mean, the oh, it started cost, raining. Yeah. It started raining. Come in for the rain car. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be sick. Yeah, it's just covered sick. in garbage bags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A big tarp. Yeah, it's got an umbrella <laughs> on the top and a roof. Oh, it's got a roof and windshield wipers. Mm, that's nice. And heated seats and a stereo <laughs> yeah. and a passenger seat and a back seat. V12 Bentley Bentayga. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. Williams, though, was able to mend Jones's car and send him back out. Jones won. PK retired. Jones secured the championship. PK would settle for second. Was he phased by the loss? Not in the slightest. Nice guess. <laughs> nice guess, dude. He wasn't, even in the slightest. The day after the race, he was emotionless. I was not ready to be world champion. I can do it again next year. Yeah. That's, I mean. It sounds like he was affected a little bit. Yeah. He decided to have that. Yeah. But he, at least he wasn't blaming his car. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he wrecked it. And in 1981, <laughs> battling against Alan Jones for the second year in a row, PK won world champion. Oh. Heading into the final round at Caesar's Palace. <laughs> what? In Vegas. I know. 
<laughs> it's not the real Caesar's yeah. Palace. I know. Yeah. I'm just saying. Rome. It's good. It's good marketing. They called it that. <laughs> TK was second in the championship behind Carlos Rudiman and just ahead of Jacques Lafitte. We talked about the Caesars Grand Prix, right? Yeah, where, it was a huge disaster. The parking yeah. lot and all that. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I am really interested to see this Las Vegas F1 race coming yeah, up. I think a lot of people right now are kind of writing it off just because the the track, yeah. the layout looks pretty pig-ish. boring. Uh, Pigish. Yeah, not a lot of. Not, it's not very interesting. Yeah, but I I, I like street courses. They I haven't seen the loops. They haven't seen the loop de loops. No. <laughs> four loop de loops. There's eight tunnels. There's a waterfall. Yeah. Yeah. There's Celine a splash Dion. zone. Celine Dion's in the middle of it. She's there. Yeah. <laughs> carrot top. They got carrot top attached to one of those rabbit things, like in Greyhound races, and he's gonna be just <laughs> zooming around the track the whole that time. That would actually be pretty sick <laughs> yeah, if they had like a launch thing down the side and you could pay to like oh, <laughs> launch yeah, down dude. as the cars that'd are going. Sick, That's sick. Dude, that'd People be pay sick. like five hundred dollars to do. Dude. That Go to zero to two hundred. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like, like that's yeah, kind of be sick. That'd be dude. sick, dude. And they having that in Vegas. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Carlos Rudiman, Jacques Lafitte, all had a legitimate chance to take the title. The race was a disaster for everyone. It sounds like this Caesar's Palace race was always a disaster. Rudiman lost positions at the start that he could never make up, putting him outside of a point scoring finish. Lafitte, who needed to win the race to win the title, could only finish in sixth place. It was PK in fifth then, who eked out a one-point lead over his title rivals. With 50 championship points to Rudiman's 49, Nelson PK became world champion for the first time in 1981. Nice. Eight years before Taylor Swift was born. We'll get back to more past gas, but right now, a word from our sponsors. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now, all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. After a difficult 1982 <laughs> where the Brazilians' influence brought uncompetitive BMW engines to the Brabham team, PK absolutely dominated the 1983 season thanks to BMW's ability to iron out its difficulties and provide a stunning turbocharged engine, the first 
turbocharged engine to ever win the championship. Wow, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, wow. BMW, baby. So if that. you little whiners and you baby boys out there <laughs> are like, hey, a BMW M car should be naturally aspirated, guess what? BMW's got a long history of turbocharging. Okay. <laughs> Being the first ever to win the F1 championship with a tripachigin. Okay, so maybe you take your little baby tears, put them back in your diaper, and go on a freaking merry-go-round race. Because we ain't interested in it, okay? <laughs> but 1982 was notable for another reason. PK's team, Robin, started the year with the use of illegal water tanks. Pretty boring rule to break. Yeah. Which was the first of multiple issues raised that season. PK tried to devise alternative strategies to win races, such as starting the British Grand Prix with a half tank of fuel and softer tires in an effort to build up a gap over the competition before a pit stop. Mm, okay. Strategy did not work. Uh, but it did lead to the belief that PK and Brabham were willing to fudge the rules in order to get an easy win, and that, therefore, PK was a lazy and undeserving champion. That's lame as hell. PK's abrasive attitude towards motorsport journalists likely didn't help. I also suspect that it's like, like lazy is kind of a suspect yeah. word in context of him being Brazilian. Right. And these are Especially all coming from proper, the British guys. Yeah, yeah. like mm -hmm. I think in Nelson's defense, there's probably some like. It's like yeah, it's kind of a yeah. um, what's it called? What is it? What's it called? Like secret word? A dog oh, whistle. Dog yeah, whistle. dog whistle. Yeah. It's like dog whistle. What's yeah. your dog whistle again? Mopal baby. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's an easy. I was saying, uh, I went to a sushi restaurant and. At the end of the meal, the sushi chef, it was like a fancy, like, omakase thing. And at the end of the meal, the sushi chef, like, I was getting up to leave, and he goes, Mopawa, baby. And it's a very easy, simple, like, way for someone to be like, hey, I like donut, rather mm -hmm. than having to be like, hey, you're the guy from donut, right? Mm -hmm. He's like, Mopawa, baby. And mm -hmm. I was like, nice, thanks. <laughs> you know? So that's my dog whistle. I just want to make it clear I don't have a secret racist thing or anything. <laughs> <laughs> 1983 it's just i like cars too i like your videos 1983 must have been a relief even though it came with a new title rival in the form of elaine prost yeah, le professor le professor who was driving for renault <laughs> prost and renault were dominant winning more races than any other driver in 1983 and the french driver had built up a 14 point championship lead heading into the final four races of the year problem though had ironed out the issues that had been plaguing the bt52 a car that had been developed in just six weeks after the fia banned ground effects so that's gonna work out well yeah it's gonna work out well the car's probably gonna fly away <laughs> but just four races before the end of the year Prost failed to finish the Dutch Grand Prix and crashed PK out in the process. With no points for Prost and the knowledge that Renault thought they'd be taking the title and thus had stopped developing their engines, Brabham set to work squeezing more and more power out of its BMW engines. Two wins for PK followed in rapid succession. Back to back. Compared to a retirement and a second place for Prost. Heading into the final race of the season, Prost led PK by only two points. The same amount of points 
for a basketball basket from a two point <laughs> follow the money <laughs> think about it <laughs> the 19 a hey, 1983 lebron james graduated high school in 2003 <laughs> follow the money huh i'm on board yeah yeah the 1983 south african grand prix looked like it would fall in Prost's favor and pk seemed to be okay with that before the finale PK invited his rival to have lunch with him in Monaco Ooh. as if to prove that he was prepared to lose the championship graciously. And when PK showed up, he put he switched the plates for some reason yeah. and got in his head. <laughs> but then on lap 44 of the Grand Prix, Prost turbo failed and mm. he was forced to retire. Mm. By finishing third and scoring four points, PK... That had nothing to do with the lunch. Yeah. No. The lunch was just sad. I thought the lunch was going to go like, somewhere. Yeah, he thought he was going to like, like bring, and then he pricked him with a needle. Yeah. Yeah. But it was just delightful. It, it was, was just, I, it was, it yeah. was. It was yeah. legit yeah. delightful. Yeah. The way I said it was, seemed like was foreshadowing. Hoping, yeah. 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 Like, Pross but, got diarrhea from yeah. a poison. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So he was blind for three days. Turbo and uh-huh. his turbo fails. <laughs> His they eyes fell tapas. out of his head and blew up the turbo. <laughs> <laughs> no, they yeah. just had a nice lunch. And then coincidentally, yeah. on lap 44 of the Grand Prix, uh, Prost turbo failed and he couldn't finish the race. By finishing third and scoring four points, Piquet became the 1983 world champion by the same margin that had separated him from his rival before the race. Two points. The same number of points as a basketball goal from the two-point area. By LeBron James. By LeBron James. I'll have to start writing this down. This is a lot. A lot to follow. Reflecting on that victory, PK said, it's time I won for me. (laughs) (laughs) What I can say is that every time Brabham gave me a chance to win the championship, I never let them down. I never lost the championship by a few points. And that makes me feel very good. As for his rivals, PK was less generous. It was not Prost who lost the championship, he said. It was Renault who threw it away. That's respectful to the driver. Yeah. He's basically saying the turbo blew up. I'm saying, like, this time I won it for me. I'm yeah. not really sure what he meant by that. Like, not for the team. Oh, I see. Yeah, but, like, most... I feel like most racing drivers race for them. Anyway. Yeah, but they don't say that. Yeah. They say, oh, I love my team. Thank you to the team. No. This is for you. This is for you, team. Yeah. Yeah. As PK's career progressed, the 32-year-old Brazilian began to believe that he was being taken advantage of by Brabham. Mm. His salary was much lower than it was on any other team. Mm. And a swap to Pirelli tires in 1985 meant PK was loaded up with additional testing demands that he wasn't adequately compensated for. Mm. I'm on his side right now. Yeah, for sure. He toyed with the McLaren contract, but he wasn't interested in the sponsorship duties that came with being a Marlboro driver, making appearances at conferences, smoozing with executives, having to smoke an entire pack all at once. Cigarettes all the time. (laughs) And flying around the world in the off-season to appear at other Marlboro-sponsored events. Roll out the driver! (laughs) I don't wanna... (laughs) PK leveraged his turbo engine experience to impress Honda, an engine supplier that was going to work with Williams in 1986. 
Despite the fact that PK insisted that Brabham was his team, he also said, quote, Maybe I made this move to Williams because I wanted to screw Bernie, because he's so clever. For the last seven years, he's been able to screw me in deals and in other ways. Now, I want people to see he's not so clever. And he let me go, so now he's in the shit with the sponsors, in the shit with Pirelli, and in the shit with everybody, because he's got no good drivers to put in his cars. <laughs> I'm on board. Yeah. yeah. But, but PK admitted his motivations were more complex than pure spite. Quote, Maybe I left Robin because I wanted to prove that with the new team that I have a potential which is perhaps even much stronger than Brabham. The rumored $3.3 million contract must have also been a Also, they factor. gave me 3.3 <laughs> million boners. <laughs> As PK willingly moved Which to is what team. I call dollars. Do you like it? <laughs> Wait. <laughs> As PK willingly moved to the same team as a man who would grow to become one of his biggest rivals, Nigel Mansell, best mustache in the game. Best mustache in the game. At the, the start dad from uh, the Wild Thornberries is based on Nigel Mansell. <laughs> sort of, yeah. Did you know? Sort of. At the start of the 1986 season, though, PK didn't quite believe he had anything to worry about. When he signed on with Williams, PK believed he and team owner Frank Williams had a, quote, verbal agreement that PK was the, quote, best driver in the world, which PK believed made him first driver and therefore gave him priority over teammate Nigel Mansell. He thought it meant to say that if Mansell was ahead of PK, Mansell would have to move over to let PK buy. And since PK thought very little of Nigel Mansell as a driver, he assumed the team would be on the same page. What Frank Williams may have meant was never clarified. Just before the start of the 1986 season, Frank was involved in a serious car accident that resulted in a long recovery period, during which time he couldn't be at the track. Control of the team passed to technical director Patrick Head. I mean, he was also like paralyzed for the rest of his life. Who also happened to be Mansell's race engineer. Now I see what's happening. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So now you got an unfortunate circumstance with Frank Williams. Mm -hmm. uh, you've got Nigel Mansell. A tragic circumstance, a tragic I would circumstance. say. Yeah. Um, yeah. You've got Nigel Mansell's engineer heading the team in mm -hmm. his place and yeah. uh, Nelson Piquet believing that he's the number one. So we're going to have some conflict some naturally conflict. it's like when equation dumbledore dies and then umbridge starts bringing in all her pals to exactly run the exactly like that exactly. joe thank yeah. you thank you for all our millennial audience <laughs> <laughs> that year the williams car should have been the dominant machines in formula one and one of the two drivers should have been world champion but as we mentioned in the opening the two waged a campaign of mind games against one another with pk sowing seeds of discontent by picking fights with his teammate P.K. would, for example, claim his wins over Mansell were wins of, quote, intelligence over stupidity, oh God. Oh my God. while working to convert all the team's engineers to favor P.K.'s wishes over Mansell's. The two fought each other hard, but Mansell still managed to score five wins to P.K.'s four ahead of the title ah, fight. Suck it, dog. But Alan Prost, in his reliable McLaren, was prepared to scoop up wins and points anytime the Williams teammates caused each other trouble uh i will pick a this uh, i will take a this point uh you guys are fighting uh maybe ooh, a couple of points with you as a result at the season finale in adelaide australia neither williams driver took the championship 
One of Mansell's tires blew, forcing him to retire, and PK was asked to pit to prevent the same problem. That handed Prost the win of the Australian Grand Prix and thus the 1986 world title, all because Mansell and PK spent the season battling with one another in the series' top cars rather than uniting against the competition. Guys, why are we fighting with ourselves? We need to unite against a common enemy. Looking back on that year, PK said, quote, I am in racing to win the championship, not to fight with another driver on the same team, not to show him I am better. I have nothing to prove. <laughs> but if that sounds like he grew from the experience, PK continued to claim that he refused to compare himself with his competition and couldn't help adding in a sly dig at Mansell, who the Brazilian still regarded as a mediocre driver at best. PK announced he was setting out to win races. Not to teach someone else how to set up his car and let him make it more difficult for me. His words set a divisive tone, to say the least, for 1987, that PK further aggravated by becoming the lead test driver for an active suspension car that Mansell refused to test, and that PK demanded not be given to Mansell as a result. If he didn't test it, why should he get it? I get it. Yeah. I get not it. Not in like a team situation, though. I know, but I get if there is like some sense of like contention or whatever. If you're like, if he's like, well, he doesn't want to do it, then he doesn't get it. Well, they're going to have two of these cars. I know, but if Mansell's like, I don't want to test that. Like, I, I'm not saying he's right, mm -hmm. but I get where he's coming from. If it's, someone is like, I don't want to test it, and then yeah. he expects him to test it. Yeah. I think it's kind of an immature viewpoint. I mean, not yours, but... I'm saying, I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. acknowledging that, yeah, but yeah. I it's not, like, totally out of left field. Yeah. Like, if you and I were competitive, and you mm -hmm. were like, yeah, I don't want to do that. Yeah. It just I gives PK that. more ammo. You're yeah, yeah. You're doing the work like, for him. Yeah, yeah. If Frank Williams was at the helm would have been like no that's fucking ridiculous like mm -hmm. this is the car we're developing yeah you have to test it yeah but also i think the smarter way to do it is like he doesn't know how to drive it this is completely new technology i don't trust him in this car i mean i think the way to do mm. it is to be like hey Mendel, you gotta f test it dog yeah that too yeah yeah. that's what i'm saying yeah so you can't i i, I get where he's saying like i don't want to do your homework for you yeah yeah, yeah. i don't want to exactly develop it. a car for this other guy to drive I'm not going to yeah, be your test I, pilot. I, I think just in the context of a Formula One team, like, yeah, Mansell should have tested, but also, like... I'm sure he did yeah. it in a baby way. Yeah. PK may have only won three races that year compared to Mansell's six, but his ability to reliably finish on the podium uh -huh. or finish within the points at all gave him the edge over his rival. He got those oven mitts out of the <laughs> <out of> store. <laughs> in 1987... PK finished the season with 73 points, enough to make him world championship. Oh. Mansell finished second. He's doing small ball. With only 61. PK's final years in Formula One were nothing to write home about. In 1988, he joined the Lotus team, boasting about his ability to be the undisputed number one driver in the team. However, despite being equipped with the same engines that were leading the McLarens of Ayrton Senna and Alan Prost to a stunning title fight, Lotus was miserable. Its chassis was unreliable, and the reigning world champion could only secure sixth overall in the championship. Rather than allow his career to fade quietly, though, Piquet began lashing out against his fellow drivers. <laughs> Mansley decided was an uneducated blockhead, quote, 
and went on to tell Playboy, <laughs> Mansell is argumentative. He's rude, and he's got a really ugly wife. Jesus Christ. He's arrogant, and after he started winning races, he started treating everybody really bad. Uh, Besides which, he's written <laughs> off piles of cars. No one wanted him to win. <laughs> Dude, that is such a sick statement. Yeah. He's arrogant, and after he started winning races, he started treating everybody real bad. Besides that, he's wrecked a bunch of stuff. No one wants him to win. Even when he does, everyone's mad about it. <laughs> he stinks. You want us to run that whole quote? And he's a Slytherin. <laughs> <laughs> Years later, Mansell <laughs> fought back in his biography, which is called Staying on Track. Got to got nice. have a title like that. Yep, got mm-hmm. to. Mm-hmm. He said that PK, quote, played a lot of psychological games. He criticized me on many occasions. He would also go on to say the most insulting things and was even once very nasty about my wife. That's out of order. That's out of order. You just don't do that. What? Yeah. I mean, yeah. You don't insult people's family like that. But his criticisms of Mansell were nothing compared to the campaign PK launched against fellow Brazilian Ayrton Senna. No, you don't you go don't. after Senna. You don't go after Senna. You don't do two things. You don't root against the pack, and you don't <laughs> go against Senna. Go pack. Go pack. <laughs> PK strongly insinuated that Senna was homosexual, a claim that Piquet used as both a threat and an insult by saying that Senna doesn't like women. <laughs> Senna's manager attempted to bring a lawsuit against Piquet for the term, but the matter never got close to actually hitting a courtroom. Still, decades later, Piquet went on to claim that he was a better driver than Senna was because, in a very Donald Trump way of putting things, I'm alive. Oh, That's my God. crazy, dude. Those were the highlights of PK's two years at Lotus. This guy's a piece of shit. Oh, we'll see. It gets it gets worse. And his 1990-1991 seasons with Benetton went no better. Once a world champion, PK's Lotus years meant he wasn't signed to Benetton as a legend, but rather on a payment-by-results scheme, like in the beginning mm. of his career. He scored a single win in 1991 at the Canadian Grand Prix, but... At the conclusion of that season, Benetton was ready to move on. Piquet retired after his teammate Roberto Marino was replaced by an up-and-coming driver by the name of Michael Schumacher. Mm. Piquet, in turn, was replaced by Martin Brundle. Martin Brundle! Brundle! Brundle. Brundle. The guy who talks as fast as he races. Yeah. That's the Micro Machines guy. You're thinking of the Micro Machines guy. I like Brundle's insight. Yeah. Brundle's my favorite color of puppy. Brundle's my favorite area between my wiener and my bubble. (laughs) I was going to do that. (laughs) How have I not? Yeah. Okay. What does a racing driver do when they've wrapped up their career in Formula One? Well, for Nelson Piquet, it meant a handful of spectacularly unsuccessful outings in both the Indy 500 and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. More successful were his business ventures like AutoTrack, which provided GPS tracking of freight trucks to the companies that ran them. Oh, Hmm. nice. Formula One, though, must have remained in the back of his mind because Nelson Piquet was never far away from motorsport. Most of his seven children have some ties to racing, most notably Nelson Piquet Jr., (laughs) 
PK Sr. wanted his son to succeed in motorsports so badly that he even founded a racing team called PK Sports in 2000, which was one step on PK Jr.'s way to F1. Unfortunately, the younger Nelson's F1 career ended in stunning fashion mm. when it was revealed that he intentionally crashed <laughs> at the 2008 Singapore Grand Prix to help his teammate Fernando Alonso win. Hell yeah, dude. That's yeah. A, now that's a teammate. That's cr <laughs> Crashgate is the... Uh, the story behind that dude i would expect either of you boys to crash for me <laughs> the event pretty much ruined the pk name at least as far as f1 concerned we got some headlines here nielsen pk will also ruin his own name uh, pretty quickly mm -hmm. his other children include geraldo who raced in formula truck pedro who made it through formula three and formula two you have laszlo who competed on motorcycles i love that name julia laszlo is a, is a cool name yeah laszlo is cool julia is a motorsports presenter dating nascar driver daniel suarez whoa that's cool didn't know that and then you've got kelly who is dating current f1 champion max verstappen mm -hmm. and then there's marco who doesn't seem to have ever gotten into uh, motorsport good for him though Yes. Dude, Formula Truck is like lorries. It's big trucks. Hell yeah. Yeah. I just want to read this uh, headline from 2023, 20, March of this year. Nelson PK fined 780,000 uh, pounds for racist and homophobic comments about Lewis Hamilton. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, the three time Formula Champ, this is from The Guardian. Three time F1 champ Nelson PK must pay 5 million reals, or about 780,000 pounds, in moral damages for racist and homophobic comments about Lewis Hamilton. Gross. A Brazilian court ruled on Friday, this was back in March. Uh, in an interview with uh, of tw in 2021, PK used a Portuguese racial slur in reference to the seven times world champ uh, champion when commenting on Hamilton's crash with Max Verstappen at the British Grand Prix. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you just look into Nelson PK, he often puts his foot in his mouth and says shit like this. Yeah, the guy is. I mean, I think we've kind of illustrated in this episode. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he's a jerk. He's a jerk. And uh, that'll take us to our takeaways, yeah. James. Now, Nelson, <laughs> Nelson, <laughs> James, uh, Nelson PK may not be remembered in the motorsport pantheon as being akin to someone like Juan Manuel Fangio or Michael Schumacher, but his time in F1 established him as one of the great racers of his day. No dominant master, but an incredible competitor nonetheless, thanks to his stealthy racecraft, politicking, and dedication to improvement. When you talk about the iconic championship battles of the 1980s, PK's name is never far away, the sign of a hard-charging racer. His name will live on in the history books as much for his desire to pick fights among his competitors as his three world championships. Also, he's a racist <laughs> and there a homophobe. You there you go, Nelson PK. Uh, we got some listener mail this week. Ooh. This is from Edward from Milwaukee. Oh, here we go. Been a listener of both DRS and past <laughs> guests for a long time now. Don't you know? I listen over Spotify while I work, delivering packages for the old Jeff Bezos there. I was listening to the episode about Chevy getting booted from uh, uh, Chevy. When James made me have my first ever real honest to gosh spit take. <laughs> I had just gotten back to the van from uh, dropping off a package at the door there. And before I pulled out of the customer's driveway, I went to drink a drink of my milk. Yes, I drink milk. I am a milk boy, like Nolan, wow. laughing out loud. Uh, also, I live in Wisconsin. 
Wisconsin. And I was mid-swig when James told his he could fart a turd out of a toilet joke. <laughs> and I was like, I immediately lost it. Or rather, <laughs> oh, I lost it there. Rather, I immediately lost my oh, strawberry milk. Hell yeah. My strawberry milk out of my nose and my mouth there. Because it was just so goddamn funny and out of left field. <laughs> I was damn near choking, but still laughed so hard it was... Now he's like from Jersey. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so hard. It was just that funny. You guys keep the days entertaining no matter what. Thank you so much. Shots to strawberry milk. Hell yeah. yeah dude. dude, I love strawberry milk. Uh, oh, he's I from Wauwatosa. Oh, Wauwatosa. I'm from Milwaukee too. Wauwatosa to be exact. And if Joe gets you guys to come visit Milwaukee yeah. sometime, my mom runs a fantastic nah, Airbnb nice. with oh, hot dog and oh, I'll meet you there. Oh, I'll meet you there. Clothing optional. Go Blurros. Love you guys. <laughs> Edward. My question is, do they have a Culver's in Wauwatosa? Absolutely. In and they have a good head shop, too. Ooh. Oh, good head shop. Everybody loves a little good head. <laughs> uh, I would go to... Nolan's been to more. I, I, they went to... I was not invited. Milwaukee's dope. You can go again. I don't want to. I love a state trip. I love a city in a state where it's common to have a guy selling beer and hot dogs. Sauce... Uh, Bratwurst? Bratwurst in the park, and that's a normal thing. Yeah. yeah. Freaking awesome. Delicious. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, big th uh, big shout-out to our writer this week, Elizabeth Blackstock, co-host of DRS. Uh, and, of course, our producers, as always, Christina Felsky, Gavin Kinsel, Nick Giamuso behind the camera, the man behind the lens. The moose. Moose. Follow James <laughs> at James Pumphrey. Follow Joe at Joe G. Weber and me at Nolan J. Sykes. And um, goodbye. Give it the goose. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is Angie that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com.